Kim the Boss Man show. Got one of your former Atlanta Hawk favorites now with Philadelphia, seven sisters out of Virginia. My man Mike Scott. Mike, what's going on up in Philly, man? What's up, man? How you doing? Man, doing good, bro. Doing good, Mike. I want to start you off, man. You got to trade from the Clippers to the Sixers. I feel like this has been a good move for you because Philadelphia plays there one in, four out, spread style. You a nice stretch four, five, can play multiple positions. I feel like that's you. So, so since you've been in Philadelphia, man, how have you felt being able to play on a team with a chance to go to, to the NBA Finals and have something to play for come April, May, and June? Uh, it feels good, man. I feel like, you know, it's like a brand new season for me. Uh, enjoy being here. Enjoy being around the Philadelphia fans, the people, the organization. So uh, I just feel like I fit in, you know, with that greediness, playing with passion, playing with, you know, physicality. I kind of just feel like I fit in with everybody. No doubt. That's, you, you are a blue-collar dude, man. You've been working hard your whole career, man. And I, I, I've i seen you develop from being with the Hawks to a a guy who can defend, shoot the three, rebound, do whatever you need on the court, man. I feel like Philly needs a guy like you, a nice glue guy can do everything. And how has Coach Brown presented your, your role to you when you first got traded? How, how did he tell you how you wanted to play, how you this big role you got so far here? No, I just, you know, I can see the space to floor, uh, being able to guard my man, being able to switch, you know, one through five, one through four. Um, you know, just play free, just play my normal role. Um, uh, come off the bench with a lot of energy, play uh, play physical, and just try to win. That's it. And coach and coach Brown has a great philosophy. He's a real very positive guy. How, as all the coach you had in your career, how has he been for you? Just for how his his demeanor, how he's positive, how he approaches films, study, how he uses you guys. I feel like this guy's a great coach, man. He's good for yeah, good, man, he's good, a, good for players. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy, and uh, you know he's he's been here so long, so they've been you know building and trying to you know take it to where they they have it now and uh you know like i say he's a philosophical guy he's very positive uh he gets on you when you need to be but uh for the most part man he's a great guy keeps it real keeps it honest uh doesn't bullshit you and that's what i like yes indeed no my thing about this man like you know you guys have got all different players tobias harris jonathan simmons yes jimmy butler so try to jail all these guys together who weren't on the team in training camp here in the NBA schedule as you as a lot of fans know a lot of it's film session and shooting rounds for you guys so pretty much you're practicing on the court to get that chemistry with each other so how is that going for you with the season cuts winding down here the next four weeks here for the playoff start um you know it's, it's, uh, it's been alright you just gotta use your basketball knowledge uh, you know we're all vets we all know how to play the game um, you know when, as the playoffs come around you know a lot of plays you know they start to you know, slim down, you know, just playing basketball out there. So uh, you just got to use your skill, use your knowledge. And, uh, and it's not a lot of practice time. So you just basically out there winging it and, uh, you know, just going off the field. Yes, indeed, man. And and for the talent on this roster, Mike, along with yourself, you got all these these, these great, talented guys, man. This most talented team you've probably been on in your career before, talent-wise, you're on paper. Um, yes, yeah, up there. I always, you know, I, you know, that team, um, my fourth year was it my fourth year? My no, my third year we won sixty games. Um, we was number one in the in the whole league. With, you know, I started five. I went. Had, we got players of the month. Um, we had four all stars. D Wade got hurt and Kyle got selected. So that third year was, you know, that was probably one of my you know favorite teams. But yeah, talent wise, yeah, I think on uh, paper, yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, I remember that team, man. I thought y'all, man, y'all, y'all had the city buzzing, man. He had Phil Strano sold out that, them years, boy, I tell you. Oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> y'all had right. it popping. Now, for you, Mike, uh, 
I want to talk to you about the pick and roll defense, man, because you know, a lot of these, a lot of teams was pretty much running a one four, one five pick roll to get a switch. So as a big man, you have to be really be shifty and quick to defend those. Sometimes even blitz those pick and rolls. So for you, man, as over your career, how have you gotten better for so for defending up those one four pick and rolls or switches where you have to defend like a James Harden? We got Fox tomorrow night. Sunday you got Milwaukee right. with Bledsoe. So for you as a big, how do you approach trying to defend those guys in those switches there? Uh, you got to watch film. Um, you know, I start switching on instead of watching a lot of film on. Of course, I'm gonna watch film on the, the forwards and power forwards and who's who's playing, who's coming off the bench. But I start even looking, paying attention more to the guards because, like you said, they're switching a lot. You got to know, you know, what's their dominant hand, or if you can give them a little space, or you gotta, you know, get up into them and make them finish. So uh, you gotta know your, you gotta know your your opposition and um, just go out there and do it. You got there right now. When you play a guy like James Harden, man, how do you not go for go for that pump fake and hit and get, get, get them hands on you, get that foul? It's right. like he's just trying to get get you to put your hands out there, get that quick foul, and throw it up real fast. Right, right man, he's mastered that. Um, I mean, nobody can stop it. So, <laughs> I mean, kudos him. Good, good job for him. No doubt, man. I, I, I love what your boy Ben Simmons does. I mean, have a dude six foot ten leading the break, man, getting you guys spread out, finding you in the corner, Redick in the corner, hitting Jimmy or Tobias. I mean, my goodness. Just think if Ben got Ben could get that with y'all, it's him jacking up threes with you guys, man. It'll be crazy how to tell just see how you all play the play together, Mike. It's wonderful to see. Yeah, well, he's, I mean, he's continuing to work on the shot. He's not seeing work. You know, off days he's coming in working on the three point shot. But I mean, he's, you know, what he does for us is, you know, he, he's a great passer. He's a one man fast break. Uh, he's an underrated defender to me. And, uh, you know, he's great, man. He got bounce, he got the swag. So, uh, you know, he's great for us. Now, Mike, you in a three a three way battle here for that third seed in Eastern Conference. Indiana's right behind you guys. You played Milwaukee on Sunday. Uh, you got Sacramento tomorrow night as well. Boston right behind you guys. So as you all look at these these next few weeks, it's very important you get that three seed for you guys and keep that focus. So Indiana, without all depot, is still in the mix. They got West Matthews in the buyout market. You all still got them right got them right there with you. So how you feel about that race between you, Boston, and Indiana so far? So y'all can get that nice home court in the first round and play Toronto rather than play Milwaukee in that second round of playoffs there. Um, no, I don't really try to I don't really try to look towards the, you know, if you have to try to just, you know, look who we got up next, you know, take care of Sacramento and go from there. But, um, you know, all we got to do is just take a game by game and just win. You know, easier said than done. But if we just do that, everything else will take care of itself. You know, with seedings and rankings, we'll be playing the playoffs. Just uh, take each game by, you know, one by one and just win. So, no. No doubt, Mike. Like you said, man, it's going to take you one, one day one day at a time. Like you said, man, you guys got a lot of talent there to get the job done. I want to go back and take you back to your team in L.A., man. I mean, y'all guys scrapped. I saw y'all came to Atlanta and came in there and beat the Hawks, man. You know, Lou Williams came off the bench doing the Hawks that night. You did your thing, too. Knocked all them down on threes, bro. Yeah, Ryan Cameron said three for you, man. <laughs> doing your thing. No, I, like, no. I like six of them. Yeah, you were on fire. I said, go. I said, come on, Kel. Get my Scott the three call. Go on, do it. I, I know you want to. <laughs> but, but man, but your, your boys out there, like, are still balling. They traded you away to buy us away, man. So, you guys still ball. They, you guys are still balling. So, what about what Doc is doing with those guys this year and your boys back in the Clippers still? Man, this is, 
you know, he got to be, in, you know, in the, in the running for head coach. You know, he, he got to be up there. His man got to be up there in them votes. And when it comes to, like, you know, rankings and awards and top coaches of the, of the league, he got to be up there. But, um, you know, he's he just got a group of guys who's bought in to the system and, you know, they all play for each other. And, uh, you know what Pat does on the defense and Shea's bought in and he's trying to do good. And we all know what Lou, Lou do. And then uh, Trez is playing like one of the, the most improved in the league. So, man, he, they got a great group of guys. Everybody's bought in and playing together. And uh, I know I'm not surprised. So Now, for you, Mike, you've been in the league a number of years, man. What is your favorite arena play at all, when you're out on the road? Who, what do you love to go to um, and make them shut up? Hit knock me out of your threes. <laughs> make them uh, threes. Um, I don't know. I like playing at Barclays. I don't know. I guess the way it's set up. I don't know. I've always liked that arena, playing at Barclays. Yeah, it is, uh, York, it's, it's real yeah. cool, man. Yeah. Like that. yeah. That was real cool. It's, it's lit real nice. The lighting's real right on point as well, man. It, yeah, I like that arena. That Random, was, but I, I don't know. It's one of my favorites. I hear that, man. You know what? Now, me personally, I, I go on the road. I like I like going out to, you know, go to the state. Them fans be, be, be talking crazy, crazy, yeah. cash crazy to yeah. you. You know, I like going to Portland too as well. It's, I know it's different. It's not, the city's a little bit slower, but the fans be out of control. And then OKC too a little bit when they ain't talking all crazy to you, saying the word yeah. that you should be saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I'll probably say uh, the, to get at the fans probably be Toronto. Their fans are brutal too. Their fans get into it. Yeah, I just hate going up there when it's cold, man. That, that those, those trips yeah. kill me, man. Like those those pneumonia trips, bro. I hate them. Like you playing in Toronto, right. you back you playing in Miami next night. You also about to get sick. <laughs> I mean, what are y'all doing? We NBA be tripping sometime with that, bro. Now I want to talk about about your yeah, don't and and don't don't have no run in with the police. Good luck. <laughs> you got that. Ever. Right? <laughs> I'm telling you, trying to get it, trying to get it to Toronto. You can't. Hey. I love y'all, but y'all, y'all used to give me a hard time. But it's all good. Yeah, hey, I fear that, bro. Now, <laughs> let's talk about your, your, your Cavaliers, man. You know, Toast Bennett doing his thing down there, man. Uh, you, you might get number one, you're number one seed. So, how you feeling about your, your Cavs, man? How do you think they're going to do this year, man? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even want to say. Because last year I was, I'm just going to just wait till the tournament comes. And that's it. I ain't watched none of their games this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you about this though, Mike. You know, you play for Dave Lego and and Coach Bennett. So how are they, how are those two guys to play for as people, man? As men who have been in the Cavaliers there. Oh um, man, Coach Ben is great, man. He's a player's coach. Uh, he knows what it takes to go to the next level. But he's also, you know, put together, a, you know, a real real great, you know, program there at UVA. And uh, first when he got there, we didn't see it because we was ignorant, stubborn. We didn't want to see it, and then we finally. You know, we finally start to see like, man, this thing, this guy's really changing everything. It's changing for the good. So, yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you all doing big things out of Virginia, man. I like, I like, I like your squad. Now, that's my guy for you, bro. I got some fans want me to ask you this question: What is your all typical right, game day routine as you get ready to play, man? What's your typical day like on on game day? Uh, I go to the gym, shoot, probably um, about an hour that morning. Won't have. If we don't have a shoot around or anything, uh, come back, eat, take a nap, take a shower, and go to the gym. I don't really got nothing. I listen to a lot of ratchet music, a lot of trap savagery music. So yeah, 
Okay. Now, okay, let me ask you this. So who's your favorite Savage Trap rapper? Because I like Kodak Black. That, I'm, I'm on that CZ. Kodak, yeah, Kodak. Oh, Kodak NBA Fox. Young I Boy. Like Future. <laughs> Future. Yeah. Young Boy, yeah. Young Boy, nice. I like Future. I listen to Gunner. Uh, I listen to uh, um, he's an artist from, from Atlanta named Side Baby. You really don't. A lot of people don't really know. Pull up on a stick. Too, so yeah. Let him hit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, My indeed. Partner. Yeah. Yeah, he nice too, so. That's what that's what I be listening to. Now, bro, when I'm I'm, I'm going to State Arena, bro, I'm banging in the car. I'm hitting put a date on it by Young Gotti. Yo, Gotti put a date oh, on. Oh man! And, and I put. Oh, okay. I got drip right. for sale. I got drip. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm hitting them. I go. I put State Farm. So I'm playing. Say like. Hey, it don't feel weird calling it State Farm Arena. Like, man, that's Phillips, man. It is, bro. I, you it know, feel bro. Weird, right? I, it does feel weird. Calling it, calling it State Farm to me, I still call Phillips Arena. I, I, I try to be proper yeah, and say the right thing, Phillips. but to me, it's still Phillips Arena. It's still Phillips. <laughs> you know? State Farm, I, oh, I gotta get used to that, Bruh, Well, like, look here, when y'all come to play on twenty third, you know, because I'm gonna be saying go, go Sixers because the Hawks need to need the tank, so we lose Hawks. Oh, okay. Mike. Throw it down. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I have fans. Wear your old Mike Scott jerseys. Chip for the Sixers on the 23rd. <laughs> I'm going to have a fresh hockey jersey for them, too. No doubt. Well, yeah, bro. Like, I can't wait for that game this Saturday night, man. I'm looking forward to it, bro. Seeing you, seeing you back in town again. Bro, we got to do this again. But in the playoff time, my man, hey, it's been good to have the show. Mike, you, you the man, bro. Put it down on them Hawks, man. man. Beat the Kings and, and Yaris on Sunday, too, brother. Just do it, bro. Yes, sir. I appreciate that, boss. All right, Mike. You be good. Talk to you. Say, say, Sandy, bro. All right, bro. No doubt. Folks, it's Mike Scott. My heart skips keeping the beat. You're not close enough, so that space between you and me. Let's lose it. The way you're dancing, swaying to the music. Girl, that body and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, back in the Jared the Boss Man show. We're joined by Gina Thomas to talk about your Atlanta Falcons from SB Nation. Gina, how's it going in the ATL today? It's going great today. Thanks. How are you? I am doing wonderful, cannot complain a bit, and happy about our Falcons making a few moves today on the on the line here, signing two guys today, uh, and releasing Ryan Strader as well. So how do you feel about the moves that the Falcons have made today for us to try to screw up that line that we know need a little bit of improvement in next year? Yeah, I think that one thing that's really interesting is when you just look at the size of the two guys that they signed, James Carpenter and um, Jamon Brown. They're massive, and the team has said that they're planning on sticking with the outside zone scheme that Kyle Shanahan brought to Atlanta in 2015. That's obviously worked very well for them in general, a little bit less well after Shanahan left and Steve Sarkeesian took over. But I think that signing these two big guys really probably signals that we are going to see a change probably reverting back to more of the type of scheme that Dirk Cutter ran when he was with the Falcons before. And so I think that that's interesting. As far as Ryan Schrader, Schrader has been great for the Falcons over the whole of his career, and especially when you consider that he was an undrafted free agent out of Valdosta State. He was really one of the league's better right tackles for a 
stretch there. Um, last year, I suspect he was probably playing through some nagging injuries, and it hurt his quality of play. And I think also adapting to a new right guard beside him, I think that that probably impacted it also. I'm very sorry to see Schrader go, but considering the way that his play declined last year and how much he was going to cost the team and their overall cap situation, I think it's a necessary move. Yes, and Gina, maybe you agree with me, because I'll say last year it's Sergio Leonard led better and Von McClure. I'll say these, the Falcons only had a few running plays last year. It was outside zone, inside zone, inside zone draw, and a toss crack. I, I, it's only four plays I, I could died up last year that the Falcons ran. And I felt like Steve should have maybe been a little more creative with, with, with the run game maybe. Could have helped some, but when you're in the same four plays, you can't do much <laughs> with that. They're going to stop it. Yes, that's uh, that's very true. And that's been something that was a consistent complaint about Steve Sarkeesian, both the creativity and the fact that he seemed to run the same four plays. I mean, if it doesn't work, for you to run Kevin Coleman up the middle on every play, maybe don't run him up the middle on every play. <laughs> you know, try something different. It seems like that would be a logical conclusion, but it it didn't work out that way for Atlanta. Now, uh, we have Grady Jarrett on a franchise tag. Matt Ryan, we did his deal. Uh, we structured $8 million of his contract. So, are the Falcons going to just buy a time at Grady Jarrett to work out a long-term deal with him? And how does it affect Julio Jones' contract? Because Noah Antonio Brown got his money. Uh, other guys want their money. And I'm pretty sure Julio wants to be the highest-paid receiver in the NFL. At least yes. for a short time being. It's going to be really interesting. And I think that, you know, a lot has been made of Ryan um, just adjusting his contract. That was actually a clause that the team put in the contract, which is very common. Contracts are usually team-friendly, not player-friendly, so they just activated this clause so they could free up some space, which is good that they have the option. Matt Ryan's still making plenty of money. You know, nobody needs to worry about him feeding a family or anything. He'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and then as far as Grady, yes, they placed the franchise tag on him. It is the non-exclusive tag, which I think was probably a concession to Grady to allow him to negotiate with other teams. There were reports that Grady denied saying that he was looking for Aaron Donald money. Grady Jarrett is great. He's really incredibly valuable to this defense. Um, his skill set's incredible, especially considering where he was drafted. So he's very important to the future of this defense. But Aaron Donald is a generational player. I don't think Grady Jarrett is going to get Aaron Donald money from anybody, even teams with a bunch of cap space. So the fact that he'll be able to negotiate with teams – if he agrees to terms with another team, they have to give the Falcons, I believe, two first-round draft picks. So it seems like a win-win situation, and it does buy them time to hopefully work out a long-term deal with Grady so that it's not even an issue. Yeah, I love Grady to death, but he's not Aaron Donald. <laughs> he's just yeah. not. <laughs> Aaron Donald is the only Aaron Donald in this league, and, I mean, he is phenomenal. And I feel like it hurts Grady to a degree, Gina, this last year defense was hurt and kind of got high holes, Grady yeah. really couldn't stop plug plug the holes, per se, yeah. you know. So that, that kind of tells me your value there. You know, yes. the middle was depleted last year. Of course, we all know that from losing yes. both of your safeties, losing Deion Jones. Grady was out for a while. And when yeah. he came back, it really stopped, stopped the bleeding. So I feel like that hurt his value, too, because he's a good player. He's a great piece to have, but he's not something nobody's going to plug up holes for you and make it that things go around no matter what no matter what the, the, the offense does 
Right, and I, this is not any shade at Grady at all because I think he's wonderful, um, both on and off the field. He's a great guy. But um, I, I sincerely doubt any team is going to be willing to give up two first-round picks for him to sign him. And so I think that it does leave the Falcons in a good position to get something worked out. Now, let's turn to the other needs Falcons have on defense. Uh, did the Falcons going to sign some guys for the line, or are they going to try to do that in the draft and like, try to get, get maybe another corner? Because you, you could offer it. You could, you're not bringing back pool, I don't think. So it's going to be a draft afraid to think that Dimitrov and Dan Quinn and Arthur Blaine are going to do to make the defense look more better than last year because obviously we learned real fast that we don't have much depth behind our starters. Right, and I mean, thankfully, you know, Dion should be fully healthy. I'd expect to get a fully healthy Keanu Neal and uh, Ricardo Allen, hopefully, back. Uh, Achilles tears are really hard to come back from, so fingers crossed for Ricardo. But I think that, yeah, after letting go of Alfred, I think that they expect, um, I'm totally blanking on his name, but he was a draft pick last year. Isaiah, 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 Isaiah Oliver. Oliver. I kept thinking Isaiah yes. Collins. I'm like, no, I'm mixing up him and Dalen Collins. That's not correct. It's been a very long day. Um, oh, I understand. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think they expect Isaiah Oliver. I think they're happy with his development. They expect him to be able to slide in there as the other outside starting corner. And we saw last year the emergence of Demonte Casey. If you lead the league in interceptions, it's pretty hard to justify keeping him off the field. And so I think that made Poole expendable because, at, you know, at that point they just have too many defensive backs. I don't think that, you know, Poole is a great player and somebody that I've really enjoyed playing. I know that right now he is flying to New York to meet with the Jets. I think that there will be a market for him. I think that just considering the Falcons cap situation and what his market likely is and the other players they have on the roster who, like I said, KZ in particular, they cannot justify keeping him off the field. So I think that that's the thing. But I think that we can't expect them to look to target a cornerback because they're going to need to build out that depth sometime in the draft, most likely. Now, would Dan Quinn use Bleedy Ray Wilson as a kind of like a Casey, as a safety cornerback kind of a guy? Because I feel like he, he could do both if you allow him to. Yeah, I think that we saw last year that he can do both. Um, he's always been a ball hawk. He was tied for second in the NCAA in his final college season with, I think, Marshawn Lattimore out of Ohio State, who, you know, was one of the top picks that year. He was just phenomenal. So I think that we certainly saw that in action this year. And he played safety effectively. There was a little bit of a learning curve, but he adapted to it nicely. And so, yeah, I think that we could see him as kind of a a slot guy and, you know, kind of a hybrid safety situation. I think that it could work out really well for Atlanta. Now, uh, for on the offense side of the ball, Devontae Freeman, how's he progressive with his injuries? And I'm pretty sure Tevin Coleman is gone, so that means more of Edo Smith. So who who are they trying to bring in as that third back behind Edo and Devontae Freeman next year? You know, I believe they still have Brian Hill on the roster for this season, so he is a possibility. He looked okay when he was forced into, into action, you know, later in the season. Um, and it would be nice to see them be able to get some value out of him after they did spend a draft pick on him, even though they caught him and he landed with Cincinnati for a while. So that's a possibility. I think that we could also see them target, you know, one of these lower-priced free agents. That's a possibility. It will probably wait a few days and see how that market shakes out and see who's left and who might be able to help the team. And I still think the draft is always a possibility. They have a lot of picks this year. They've got, you know, a couple of conditional picks. 
And they're actually able to trade those picks now, so they might plan to use those as capital to move up and get guys that they want. But with so many needs on the roster, I think they'd be just as wise to stand pat and target positions of need. And running back is probably one of those. Bringing in another guy to compete to fill out that that depth chart this offseason is probably a good idea. And on wide receivers, uh, I know Muhammad Sanu is making some money. Uh, Ridley was, to my opinion, was drafted to replace Muhammad Sanu. So, mm-hmm. but then he leaves you with, with Justin Hardy, Marvin Hall, and Russell Gage. So that's not much to you know, just to you know, sing about. So right. you think a wide receiver is going to be in the in the picture because you got to do some behind Julio and really, if you if, if you decide to bring back some new, which I hope they will, but if they don't, you need something to help those guys out. Mm-hmm. I think that they will keep Sanu. And then, of course, you know, with Ridley's development this year, which was very impressive for a rookie, it's very hard to adapt to the wide receiver position at the pro level as a rookie. And so uh, he was just spectacular. So I think that they've got a good core group of the top three. Um, Justin Hardy is a free agent. I don't expect him to re-sign with Atlanta, but we will see. Um, no matter what, he does have chemistry and familiarity with um, with Matt Ryan. And so... That could be enough to lock up his spot. I think Marvin Hall is gone. So, again, like I think that we'll see them maybe look for who's left as free agency continues to shake out. With those top three guys on the depth chart, and like I said, I do think that they'll keep Sanu, I think that they're in pretty good shape. And so they can, you know, target less expensive players to round out that depth chart and still give Matt plenty of talent to work with. Now I'm not going to lie to you, Gina. I was very surprised they let it go money Matt Bryant for Tavecchio. I mean, I was shocked. I know Tavecchio did a great job in Matt Bryant's absence, but let go of Matt Bryant kind of made me like, oh, really? We're doing that? For Tavecchio, he struggled in Oakland when he was the guy. So yeah. what were your thoughts on that move? Well, I was disappointed just because Matt, Ryan, or Matt Bryant has been an institution in Atlanta since he came here. He's been so reliable. And, you know, look at the Bears, look at the Bucks, look at the, look at all these teams that have had problem kickers who get in their own heads and go through phases where they can't hit anything. That was never Matt Bryant. If he missed a kick, you knew he was probably hurt because otherwise it just didn't happen. And so I think that Tavecchio played well. I understand from a cap perspective why they did it. I understand from an age perspective why they did it. But I don't know that's the right call. And I think it's, you know, time is going to tell. But Matt Bryant was just so incredible incredibly reliable and I think you cannot overvalue a reliable kicker because you see how many teams lost games based on their kickers I mean the Browns last year probably would have had a winning record if they had had a decent kicker earlier in the season and so yeah I think that we're going to have to see how it plays out maybe the team is right about it I get why they did it but I was not happy about it either well, that's what I got for you. It's Coach Quinn's staff. He's fired all his coordinators. He's taking over defense. You got Dirk Cutter, Mike Malarkey on the offense side with Coach Ra. You got special new special teams coach. You got the game management coach now. So, to me, Arthur Blank is saying, Quinn, you got one more year to prove yourself or we're going to move in a different direction from you and Thomas Dimitrov if it doesn't, if it doesn't go well because these are all your guys, man. It's on you. Yep. I think that you're right. And I think you can look at last season and you can look at the injuries and you can understand – why it went the way that it did but that doesn't the NFL is not very forgiving about injuries or anything else you know everybody in the league has injuries everybody sees key players go down every year and you just have to adapt and even the players they brought in you know we saw Jordan Richards running around out there like he had no idea what 
football even was. Um, so I think that it's fair to raise some questions about how things were handled even after, you know, they, they brought, even after the injuries, you know, with the guys they brought in. I think there's some questions around coaching. I think that Quinn bringing in a game management coach is very smart and very necessary. I think that it's been shown to be his weakness, and so having some help there will be good. But, yeah, I think the team is absolutely signaling that, the Falcons had better be competitive this year or we're going to see some big changes next year. And one more I got for you off the, off the Quinn question. You feel mm-hmm. like the league is caught up with the Seattle defense, the cover three defense Dan Quinn plays, the, that, the cover three zone he plays, the league's caught up to it. He hasn't really evolved beyond that defense. Yeah, I, I think that we'll probably have a better idea about that this year when he's really running it. I'm actually really excited to see that. Um, you know, at this, I think that he's been more peripherally involved over the past couple of years, but now that he is going to be the de facto defensive coordinator and he'll be calling plays on that side of the ball, I think we'll see how much his defense has evolved. I think that the most successful coaches in the, in the NFL are guys who understand that the game is always changing and that if they want to compete, they've got to change along with it. You know, you cannot be too committed to your own style of play. You have to see what other teams are doing and understand how you can work against that and so I it's going to be really interesting this year to see what Quinn does with this defense because his talent as a coordinator is undeniable I mean the Seattle defenses that he coordinated were very good and so it's going to be really fascinating to see how this plays out this year with him taking sole responsibility for it well, Gina, it's good to get you on the show. Hope to see you again around the draft time. We'll see what the Falcons have done in the draft. We can recap that. Hope you have yeah. a great week and hope to talk to you real soon now, okay? Okay, thank you so much. Have a great day. You're welcome, folks. It's Gina Thomas on the Boss Man Show. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know. All the stars are closer. All the stars are closer. Tell me what you're going to do to me. Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, it's back here on the Gerald the Boss Man Show. We're joined by Coach Brian Wardle. His team is going to the big dance, the Bradley Braves played three hard-fought games in three days and got the job done in St. Louis, winning the Valley's tournament. Coach Wardle, how are things in Peoria today, man? Man, things are great here. Things are great. The weather's warm and uh, sunny, and, and we're ready. Uh, you know, everybody's in Peoria is excited about just our, our program and the opportunity we have coming up here in the tournament. Yes, indeed, Coach. This is the first time Bradley's been in the tournament since 2006. The so first of all, what has it been meant to the community in the past few days about you guys making it to the tournament? If you personally and your program, what does this mean for you? Well, I mean, it's it's been a long time coming. Um, you know, anything worthwhile is uphill. And I think our program has improved every year. Uh, we built it from the ground up here at Bradley. I've had some great teams and great players, but just, you know, when you're in a tournament setting, anything can happen. And when you're in a league that, you know, unfortunately this year we're probably, you were just a one bid league. We'll probably have two or three teams in the NIT. Uh, it comes down to just executing the game plan and making the big plays in the big moments. And we were able to do that over the weekend. It means the world to our city, Peoria, our university, and, and definitely for our, my seniors, my seniors who I've recruited, my first recruiting class who have been with me for four years now to have them go from the bottom to all the way to the top is a, Great feeling as a coach. 
And coach, I feel like this has kind of helped you out this with this tournament. Being older, having older guys on your roster with experiences that you play, and coming back in the second half of those games, each one of those games in that tournament, and winning by a total of eight points altogether, I feel like the comments from your experience and your guys being through it and the fact yep. that this is a time of year, those guys knew how to get the job done. They wasn't flustered by being down in the second half, and you guys punched your ticket by playing great ball when it, when it mattered the most. Absolutely. You're spot on because we are – we do have some experience now for the first time. I think our first two years, we were the youngest team in the nation and the second youngest team in the nation in year two. Year three, we got a little older, but still weren't where we needed to be. This year, we did. Our seniors stepped up, made some big plays, and then our junior point guard, Daryl Brown from Memphis, and uh, our sophomore, 6'8", sophomore, Elijah Childs, you know, made huge plays for us. Um, so it was experience that played a factor, and we have been down. We leave the Valley and comebacks after halftime, being, being down at halftime and coming back and winning games, and We've we've kind of we've had all kinds of adversity throughout the season, like a lot of teams do. But that's helped us mature, grow, and uh, become stronger as a unit. And coach, I, I talk about this a lot when I talk to my guys here around town. So many college basketball teams around Atlanta. There are not high major teams other than Georgia and Athens. At this level, mm-hmm. you have to develop your players. You have to, they have to be really good by the time they're juniors and seniors. You have to pick out a guy if this your program that you can mold for two, three, four years, and hopefully that fourth year, at least by year three, they're showing signs of when they're seniors, they can be world beaters. And when, yeah. just like I said, February and March, you've been older and experienced. You play a young team that's, that's might get flustered. Your guys won't flood, get flustered. And I think this is proving your team is a perfect example of being old at the right time, player development, how key it is to programs being stable for years for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I pride myself as head coach, my staff on player development and growth, not just on the court but off. But you're right. I mean, you're gonna if you go play these teams that have lottery picks that are 18, 19 years old, you have a chance just out of experience and age and uh, we're not going to get a lot of those guys at Bradley. you got to get lucky in the recruiting scene nowadays. But uh, we're going to take some raw talent with good heart, good work ethic, uh, good intangibles, work with that person. i got a lot of guys playing pro ball. i got a guy in the Golden State Warriors right now that averaged 10-7 and 7 for me, but we always knew, you know, Alfonso McKinney, he played for me at Green Bay, he's best basketballs ahead. He's just a late bloomer. And we got to take some of those kids and develop them and, and then uh, hopefully help them reach their dreams. Yes, indeed. Now I see Alfonso, the 27th in Memphis, when they played the Grizzlies down in Memphis. I definitely made tell my answer on the show when I see him because I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, sure. clo- I'm real close to Quinn Cook on, on, and Davian Jones on the Warriors oh, as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah, and I got I got a lot of guys who, you know, got drafted. Uh, it's Alec Brown, but they're all playing in the top divisions and they're all making a great living with a degree. More importantly, they got their degree. They're high-character guys, and they're going to be successful when the ball stops bouncing. And that's ultimately what we're doing here at Bradley's preparing these guys to get to the NCAA tournament, win, be on the big stage. But more importantly, when that ball stops bouncing, what type of person are you? What kind of work ethic do you have? What kind of communicator are you? And, and uh, hopefully we're, we're, I think we're helping a lot of our guys prepare for the real world. Now, coach, as I looked at the Valley this year, the, it was like a lot of the teams were very close for us in, in record-wise. Went down to the last day for mm-hmm. seeding and who, who's going to get what seed. So, mm-hmm. overall this year, how was the value to you? I was looking in from the outside. I feel like it's very hard every night. Uh, some schools surprised, surprised like Missouri State with Dana Ford. If his first year there, surprised a little bit. Their loyal was always – doing that thing they're a little down this year as well but it's, it's like the, the, the valley was every night was a hard night no matter what you do coach 
It is. It is. It's a great league to play basketball. It's a basketball league. Every time you go on the road, there's big crowds. And we led the league in attendance, which says a lot, because a lot of schools in our league get great crowds. So winning on the road was hard. Uh, there was a lot of parity. Uh, I, I, if you look at the net rankings, we're, we're like one of the only teams that has all 10 teams between 120 and 200. We have no one below 100, no one above 200. That's how balanced our league is. So it was a dogfight every night. And we do have five or six teams in our league that play slow, that grind you out and are physical. It's a defensive league. So um, it was a dogfight every night, uh, close games. And I think all that experience prepares us for the tournament. Because if you look at the Valley, we, we've had a lot of success in the NCAA tournament. No matter if we had one, two, or three, or four teams in, we, we, our league is, is a tough-minded team league that knows how to win. And I think that's going to hopefully help us come uh, this next week. And coach, for you, uh, back to back, twenty win seasons there, Bradley. And I know it's helping you on the recruiting trail because you know you're gonna get guys want to see, see your name, Bradley, come up on TV on Six 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 and Sunday and say, "Oh, Bradley, I might want to go there now." You know, so this, this, this is the best thing to, to pitch to a guy you're talking to. I'm in a tournament, punching my ticket. You can come here, twenty win seasons. You can great city to live in, great education. You can come here and play and come and become something. Absolutely. I mean, you sell the vision. In recruiting, and but now you got a lot of substance to what you're. You got facts and results to back up your vision. And you know, Bradley University is in a great city, Peoria. Um, it is a great education, private school. Men, you know, men's basketball is a flagship sport. It's a huge basketball town, and you play in a great basketball league that can go win in the tournament. So I think there's a lot of positive things here for kids from all over the country, and we have guys from all over on our roster. So. We recruit Illinois a lot, obviously Chicago and all that. But man, we're down in Atlanta. We're we're all over recruiting because we just want to find the best fit for our program and our city and our university academically. So um, it's it's a great opportunity. And I think for me as a former player and the way I coach, you know, I do, I'm, I'm going to have high expectations and standards for you. I, I don't think anyone thanks you for expecting little of them. And I expect a lot from my players. But our system is fun to play in, uh, and I think it's a system that develops players and. and prepares them for the next step in their life. Now, for a lot of my listeners, coaches, because who are not familiar with your team as I am, uh, who are some guys that really played key roles for you this year in getting and playing special roles for your team to get you guys to the point you are today, being, being in, in the big dance come next week? Yeah, I mean, Daryl Brown uh, is our point guard, 5'10 point guard, can really score. He was a all-league, all-Valley league player. Elijah Childs, our sophomore, 6'8 forward. He was all-Valley. Uh, Nate Cannell is a six-six shooter we got uh, locally here within 30 miles of campus, and he was a six-man of the year in the Valley. And then you've got guys like our seniors, D-Lo, D- um, Luke Van Brain, Luke Lundy, three seniors that contribute to us and provide a lot of just experience and solid, you know, play and toughness and talk. Um, and then you got, you know, we got size. We got a six-eleven Koch Bar, seven-one Ari Boya, and then we got another freshman who's six six Jay Sean Henry, who's been a kind of forward matchup problem and has really played well for us down the stretch. So we're definitely a team. Do we have star power? We do, but we are very unselfish group and we got everyone plays a huge role in, in what we do here. Now coach, with this what you went in the tournament early here, how do you balance staying sharp versus rest? Because you know, you never know, you may get called to play in that first four, you may have to go date, and so how do you guys kind of, kind of plan that out when you're trying to get, get, get trying to make the, the, the plans from now until Sunday and beyond? Well, I think that's, 
you know, we factor all that in, but you need rest. So today and yesterday we rested. Uh, tomorrow we'll get back in the weight room and, and have some team meetings and, and, and watch some film on our weekend. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we'll get back on the court and just try to be sharp and then take Sunday off and kind of see where we're at. I don't, I don't think we can take too many days off because we got to get our legs back underneath us and we got to go gain speed because when we do play again, it's such a long delay. We want to be sharp. We don't want to start and play the first half um, and not execute and be out of uh, rhythm. So we got to find our rhythm at the end of the week and get a lot of shots up, and that's our plan. Well, Coach Warder, I hope you guys do very well. Dave, come on the show. And I'll, I'll definitely be cheering for you guys in my bracket because, you know, I like to, you know, how you have guys on the show and cheer them on, on, on all the way through this. Hope you guys can make some upsets happen. Make it, do the Valley, Valley, Valley probably like Lord did last year. The Valley going to be there in school to lead upset everybody this year, hopefully again. Hey, we hope so. I appreciate you having me, man. And go Braves. Yes, indeed. That's Coach Brian Wardle on the Boss Man Show. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me somebody to love? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, back here to Gerald, the Boss Man Show. More March Madness coverage. Uh, we're going to talk to the Gardner Webb's head coach, Tim Kraft, the running Bulldogs out of the Big South. Coach Kraft, how are things for you, man? I know you're living, living the dream right now down there. Hey, that's exactly right, man. I'm just living the dream, living the dream, man. It's a dream come true uh, to get to to this point and, and win a conference championship and have our team go in the NCAA tournament. That's, that's exactly right. That's what we're doing right now. And, Coach, for the first time in school history, you're off the list now when the school's never been to the big dance. Now your school's off that list, man. How's it feel? How's the community down there feeling? How's the administration feeling and the students? How, I mean, what's the vibe the last since you guys have came back with the Big South title here? You know, everybody's fired up. Our, our community is really, really excited. It, it, it's uh you know, as we kind of made it to the championship game, you started to feel how, you know, from, from people in the community and former players and how big of a deal this would be for, for everybody associated with Gardner-Webb. And, and, you know, everybody's just been, been super excited. Our students are actually on spring break right now, so they were not uh, here when we got back. But uh, we're looking forward for the, to, to them getting back here on Sunday to, to kind of celebrate uh, Selection Show with us. It's going to be have to be a wild watch party. I can't even imagine because the wild watch party. Yeah. These kids are going to be having to come out spring break. We'll be destined Panama Beach. <laughs> I remember those days, Coach. You get back, you still on that emotional high. And you got this coming. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be wild on your campus. It's going to be, let's say, going to be lit on your campus, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, they're going to have something to be excited about. That's for sure. Yes, indeed, man. And a 23 win season here, Coach. Uh, I'll tell you what. How does that make you feel first as a head coach? 23 wins is 23 wins. That's a heck of a year right there. And secondly, does that show about the support you have from your staff, your players, administration? Because without the administration and your staff and your players, you can't get these all these wins you guys have had. So having the support of all those all those factors and plus winning those games on the court, man, it, that makes you feel so good, coach. You know, know that the hard work that you put in is paying off here. Yeah, no doubt. We've had a great year. And, uh, you know, everybody's been a big part of it. Obviously, you got to have good players. Um, you got to have good assistants that can recruit good players. <laughs> uh, 
and you've got to have a, an administration that is behind you and aligned with your vision for the program. And, you know, we have all of those things here and we've had them here for, for several years, but, but to, to, to really put it all together this year. And, um, you know, my coaching staff has been tremendous. Uh, my assistant coaches have done a, just a great job, not only uh, recruiting, but, but also developing our players uh, each and every year and, um, you know, helping them get better, helping us coach this group. And, um, you know, we got a group, we got a really special group of players that um, has really played for each other this year, you know, has really bought into, you know, what we're trying to, you know, the, the, our vision for how we wanted to play. And, um, you know, it's been special to see it kind of come together here uh, in the last month or so. And, Coach, for my listeners who are not familiar as your roster as I am, who has been the guys that really played key roles for you this year and helped get you to the point yeah. you are today? Yeah, well, we've got three seniors. Um, Brandon Miller is a fifth-year senior who's kind of a, a guy that's been a great leader for our team. Um, you know, he's played limited minutes off the bench inside, but he's just – brings great leadership and, and a great perspective um, just with his experiences. David Effiani is a is another fifth-year senior who uh, was an all-conference player, was our leading scorer, 6'2", really athletic guard, uh, attacking guard. He's had a tremendous season, uh, super efficient season, shooting over 40% from three, over 50% from the field, uh, positive assist turnover rate. Just had a tremendous, tremendous season and uh, really, really has grown as kind of a leader for our team as well. And then DJ Laster is a post player, um, you know, kind of an undersized, um, you know, face up post player that can play inside and out. And uh, DJ just had it. He was the MVP of our conference tournament, had 32 points in a conference game or excuse me, conference championship game. And um, DJ really has just come alive here over the last few weeks. And he's had a good season and a solid season, but he's really played at another level here in the last few weeks and um, has, you know, carried us in, in some of these, uh, some of these conference tournament games. Um, those are three guys there. I mean, we, we got a, we, we're really, you know, got a group that, that has a, a, a you know, a kind of a, a deep team. Uh, our two, we play two point guards, Jaheen Cornwall and Christian Turner, who are both really, really solid. We got a freshman uh, by the name of Jose Perez um, that has had a tremendous year. Started for us at the four spot. It's kind of a, a big wing that can um, do a lot of different things for our team. He can make shots. He can put it on the floor a little bit, and he's a terrific passer and uh, can also post post a little bit. So uh, he, he's been a really really good piece uh, to our puzzle. And uh, a guy named Nate Johnson. Um, guard that uh sophomore guard redshirt sophomore guards have a great season average about 10 points a game leads us in steals um and, and then we, we've got a couple guys coming off the bench and justin jenkins and eric jameson that have just been uh you know guys that have really embraced their roles on this team which you know how important that is you know it's like you can have kind of the pieces to the puzzle but how do they fit together and um you know we've had some guys that just really kind of own their roles embrace their roles have been all about the team, and um, that's made the difference for us this year. And, Coach, I feel like that's so in key is embracing your roles. I, I remember when I played ball back in college, uh, Coach would tell us our roles. Like, he would say, hey, Jr., you're a shooter. You're a defender. He'll go one by one, tell each guy their role. Mm -hmm. You'd mm -hmm. accept that role, or you just did what you just were going to be in the part, part of the program. And I feel like that's part of player development too, as well with guys, because you've got to develop mentally the mindset to accept what they are as players and where 
and accept coaching where the coaching thinks they can go if they develop it the right way, putting the right work, getting up shots, getting in the gym, the classroom. So, Coach, how do you go about the player development piece, getting, getting all the guys to get on that same accord and buy into the program development and individual development as well? Yeah, I tell you what, it's a great. That's a great question. That's a great question. You know, after the it starts with us. You know, immediately after, um, the, you know, the seat when you finish the season. Now we start to move towards uh, the off season with each player, and we we bring each guy in. We have a detailed plan for them. With hey, this is who we think you can be next year. You know, these are the areas that are were strengths for you last year. These are the areas that were weaknesses. And here's where we think you can go, you know, with both of the, you know, in both of those areas and the, the improving your weaknesses, improving your strengths, maximizing your strengths. And um, we kind of put a plan together and then put a vision together for, the, for them in the spring so that as we attack the off season, you know, guys understand, uh, you know, what, where we think they can go um, and, and skills that we believe they can develop and um, how, you know, we feel like they can be used in our system and, um, you know, hopefully that helps them attack the off season really aggressively and continue to get better every day. And then, you know, as we, we get into the fall, it gets a little closer to the year and you're kind of evaluating, you know, where guys are at with, with some of those things. And, and then as you start to practice, um, you know, I think the, the, the closer you get to playing games, the more you get to kind of narrowing, uh, the, the focus on what each guy's role is and, um, how they can, can help your team. And, um, you know, you, you might've had a plan for a guy to be a, you know, a, a, a jump shooter, a good shooter and, and work on that. But if he didn't really get better at that in the summer and he really wants to do that, all of a sudden, by the time you get to, you know, November, you've got to have a conversation with that guy. Like, Hey, this ain't helping our team right now. You know, this isn't strength for you. You know, you, you, here's, here's, here's your, here's your stats, here's, you know, what it looks like for you. You need to, you know, at- attack these areas because this is where, you, what you're, where you're good. And that's one of our, our kind of keys to offense is play to your strengths, help your teammates play to theirs. Um, so, but, but anyways, I think each guy, you know, developing that vision for them. Um, and then, you know, I think it's really important that you get, get to, you know, you get them to buy in to what your vision is. And like, you know, we had a, we had a, our season this year, we played smaller. So we have a guy named DJ Laster, about 6'6", 220 pounds, kind of stretch four man, can play inside and out. But because of the dynamic of our roster and, you know, the way we wanted to play, he ended up playing the five for us. And, wow. um, you know, we needed to get, you know, we needed to get him to buy into that, you know, get him to buy into that and get him to see that, hey, this is, this is how you can help our team here. And, um, and how it can be beneficial for you as well and beneficial for our team. And, um, you know, he, 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 100%, you know, bought into to that and was able to guard bigger players and really just fight for fight and rebound and defend and protect the rim. And then on the offensive end, he was able to really, you know, exploit some bigger, slower post players on the perimeter because he can make threes, he can put it on the floor and, you know, can score in different ways. So, um, you know, that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question. Oh, no, Coach, it was a great answer because, Coach, you took me back to talking to Coach Cy Alexander back at Tennessee State. We were telling me, Jr., your job is to shoot shoot threes and give me energy effort on defense. I remember those talks. Right. Like, summertime. Three work and on, D. Three and D. Yes, indeed. They work on off the dribble to your left hand. Off the dribble to – because you're good to your right. But punt fake off the dribble. So, I would be about summertime playing. Took 100 shots. Going, going, also going around the cones, going around the chairs, work, working yeah, off the screen. Yeah. So my role at TSU was three pointers 
injured on defense, but trying to get better off the dribble. So, I so I coach me say that I remember and I feel like I was in his office today. I'm telling me these things with Coach Darren Tillis, Coach Jamal Brown, and Coach Mark Pittman, all yeah. those guys, man, uh, who worked with me all the TSU those years. Right yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Great coaches. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's good, man. Now, Coach, uh, this exposure you guys are getting, I know it's going to help you in recruiting as well, Coach, getting guys who want to play for you because you're making the big dance and guys will say, hey, if I go to Gardner Webb, go out in the, in the big south, I'm going to play great teams like Radford, Ham, Hampton, Campbell, Presbyterian, Asheville's on the way back up as well. Other states are going to get better as well. So with Wimpton and Pat Kelsey, you have a great league to play in and you get to the tournament with, with, under, under, under your staff there. Yeah, no question. You know, it, it obviously helps recruiting when you have success. And, you know, we've we've had some sustained success in my six years here at Gardner Webb, and you know, we've we've we've, we've never had a losing season in the league, um, and we've had some great wins over BCS schools, and, and we've always been kind of right there with the you know close to winning a championship. We've lost in the semifinals of our conference tournament three times, but to finally kind of punch through, and um, you know take this step forward to, to getting to the finals on Sunday and then obviously winning and cutting the nets down. You know, I mean, I just, I, I do think that that really, you know, helps you in recruiting and, um, you know, players want to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, that's what they want to do. And, you know, for the last five years, we've been recruiting guys saying, Hey, we're going to compete for a championship. This is how successful we've been. We've been, you know, right there. We're, we're one step away, but now we can say, Hey, we, we've been able to do this here. And, um, you know, I think that goes a long way to helping us continue to recruit good players. And, Coach, you feel like, like the, the, big, the Big South adding upstate and Hampton to get you four schools in Virginia, four North Carolina, four South Carolina, really make your league more yeah. balanced as well for scheduling and travel and, and just being yeah, good, period. it is. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. But it, it, but it is. It's got, you know, the regional rivalries. Um, and, you know, the travel is, is really, really smooth and, and pretty easy uh, to get to league games, which is nice. And, um, you know, those two, those two schools are great additions. And I, I love the upstate addition uh, for us because it's right down the road. And, and you know, we typically we're, we're play upstate in the non-conference anyway. So it's great to add them. They're, you know, about 45 minutes away from us, right down the road. And they, may, they make perfect sense for our league. And, and then to add a program like Hampton who has the, the history and tradition um, of being an NCAA tournament team over the years, and and um, you know they bring a you know bring a just a great addition to our to our league as well. Yeah, I had on Coach Joyner, and I would talk to him about it because though Tennessee State, we're, we're we're the OVC, so we're kind of in his boat. HBCU sure. school, it's not you know just HBCU sure. conference like the Miyako Swack. I, I, I find it to be fun and a different thing to play at bigger schools because when you're in the OVC and in, in the Big South, you get more money than you would be in the Miyako or, or the Swack. So, of course, we right, play those right. games for money, but you get like, your brains uh-huh. beat in. But it was fun, and you get a better conference, right. and you get better competitions. I told him on, on the air, I said, "You all, your players might hate it." Originally but they'll love it down the road. They'll love it. Yeah. That's the guy who did it. Yeah. They do love it, man. They do love it. I mean, they love it. They And they, and they you know, we, we've really created some pride in going to the, into those games and, and feeling like, hey, we, we can win these games. And, you know, this year we beat Georgia Tech and we beat Wake Forest in those guarantee games. And, um, you know, two years ago, one at Nebraska. And then um, the year, bef- year before that, one beat Clemson and, and one at uh, Purdue. So it's been, um, 
you know, it's been able to, you know, our guys love that challenge. You know, they want to play against the best teams in the country and the best arenas in the country. And, you know, that's that, and I think that's also something that helps in recruiting when you can, you know, show them where you're going to play. That's what I got for you, coach. Uh, how, how do you balance rest versus staying sharp? Are you going to be watching some, watching the film? Yeah. Maybe do some, some self scouting yeah. here, maybe some lifting and sure. shooting. So, how are you guys going to go about this with these few days you have, have off? Yeah. Well, we did a little bit of all of that. You know, we, 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 uh, our conference tournament, our championship game was Sunday. We took Monday and Tuesday off, so we gave them some rest. We came back in the gym on Wednesday, went, just did some skill and some shooting conditioning for about a little more than an hour. And then Thursday and today, we kind of had pretty normal practices. Uh, pretty normal. Thursday was really competitive. Today wasn't quite as much uh, live stuff, um, but, was was a fairly normal practice and then tomorrow we're actually going to bring some officials in and, and really kind of make it a little more like a game um just in terms of trying to get keep our guys game ready you know a lot of the schools that we could potentially end up playing in the tournament are playing right now you know they're playing in their conference tournament so we want to keep that edge uh with our guys right there and um so we'll do a you know scrimmage a little bit uh with some officials tomorrow and then we're actually going to take Sunday and take it completely off and just enjoy the day with the selection show. I hear that, Coach. Yeah, I'll be on the road heading back to Atlanta from Nashville doing the selection show. So hopefully you all get a good draw, man. Hopefully it works out real well for you. But if not, Coach, I definitely want to have you on the show again during the spring and summertime, man. Check on how your program is doing. If you're ever in Atlanta, Coach Recruiting, love to have you come come to, yeah. this, come to our studio and, and chop it up with us, man. Love to have you, have you back again anytime, Coach. Oh, man, we'd coach. love to. We'd love to, man. We love Atlanta. We recruit a lot of guys from Atlanta. We've got um, we've got several guys from from Atlanta on our on our roster right now, man. So yeah, I'd love to come by. Yes, indeed, well, Coach Kraft. Good luck, buddy. I'll talk to you real soon, man. Thanks, Jr. Take care, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, folks. It's Tim Kraft right. of the Boss Man Show, Garden the Web. Hello, my name is Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant. Focus on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24 or you can call me at 404-542-607 Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you.